This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher. We're finishing up Genesis chapter 4 today. As we look at Genesis 4, 16-26, let me ask you, what event is at the foundation of all human society and civilization? And we're going to look at that, the answer to that question today. And if you don't really care about, I don't know, you know, care what event is at the foundation of society and civilization, listen, it's not just at the founding event way back when, but also the foundation of society and civilization today. Uh, It's important to understand what is at the foundation, what forms the basis of society and civilization, because doing so, it's going to help us in our own lives, help us understand what's going around us in politics and economics, uh, with our neighbors and our friends and our marriage and our family relationships and jobs, uh, in a culture, current events, pretty much everything. So uh, we're going to see what that is today, sort of the last thing we've been gearing up to now for several months as we come to the end here of Genesis chapter 4. Now, before we look at that, I would love to send you a Christmas gift this year. <laughs> Do you want one from me? Um, I have a couple gifts I want to give out. First, you have to become a member of RedeemingGod.com. Now, there's, there's a, 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 it's the only way I can send you a gift. I need to know who you are. And for that, you have to become a member. All members of RedeemingGod.com, there's two different, no, three different membership levels, one free one and then two paid ones. But even if you join the free membership level, I'm giving you a free gift, well, several actually, but the new gift for this year, for this Christmas, is a theology course, online theology course, uh, access to my brand new course. In fact, I'm not even done with it yet, but almost, I almost am, and it's based on my book, The Skeleton Church. So uh, join to become a member, any, any membership level, and you can get access to that course for free. Second, though, and here's a bigger gift as well, I want to give away uh, some one-year memberships, the annual love membership. The value of this is $89. And what I'm going to do is for every 10 people that sign up between now and Christmas, I'm going to give away one annual membership. So you basically have a 10% chance of winning. If I get 10 people to sign up, then I'll give away one. If I get 20 people to sign up, I'll give away two. 30 people to sign up, I'll give away three, so on. Now, if you're already a member, you're already eligible to win this, so don't worry about that. Um, You'll be entered to win one of these free memberships as well. And how it'll work is after you sign up and pay, uh, if you win, I will refund you for the one-year membership. So anyway... I would love to give away 10 memberships, (laughs) Um, but it all depends on you signing up. So to do that, to get started, just go to redeeminggod.com slash register and pick your membership level there. Again, you'll only be eligible to win the free annual membership if you pick one of those second two options, either the hope membership level or the love membership level. Okay, so either way, become a member and I would love to send you those Christmas gifts. Now, let's get on with our study of Genesis 4, 16 through 26. So Genesis 4 has been all about sin, really. Uh, Most people, most Christians, many Christians anyway, 
sort of believe that the real problem with the human condition began way back in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. But we have seen in Genesis 4 that this chapter is what reveals where we learn what the real human problem is. Okay, and and the human problem we have that we live in is rivalry with other people. Cain and Abel were in rivalry, and as we saw with them, with Cain and Abel, these brothers, this rivalry often leads to violence and murder. And then, of course, we as humans typically blame this on other people, and ultimately we blame our violence on God. Uh, If you watch the news, even watch your own life, you'll see this tendency popping up all over the place. Uh, you look at your own life and how you interact with your the, you know, family members or your neighbors or your co-workers, especially when you're in a disagreement with someone. How, you know, how do you behave towards them? And then how do you justify your behavior towards those other people? You're going to see this tendency uh, to engage in rivalry and then even the violence. It may not be physical violence, but verbal violence, name calling, that sort of a thing pop up. And ultimately, you're going to feel justified and righteous in how you treated those other people, and you might even say that you were doing God's will, calling out the truth, something like that. Uh, And this is really one of the most significant revelations in the Bible. The Bible wants us to see by reading it uh, that we are mostly completely ignorant, blind to this rivalry that goes on every single day, multiple times every day. Uh, It is this activity, though, of imitation leading to rivalry that leads to scapegoating and violence that is taught all over the place in Scripture, and we're first introduced to it here in Genesis chapter 4. All right, so today, sort of as we close out Genesis chapter 4, we're going to see that these human activities of rivalry, violence, scapegoating, that they are the foundation of human culture and society. Rivalry and then the scapegoating violence that comes from rivalry, it is these that lie at the heart and center of human civilization. So to see this, uh, we're going to pick up with the account of Cain in Genesis 4.16. So remember, Cain found himself in rivalry with his brother, And so Cain murdered Abel, his brother, and then Cain blamed it on God the way we generally do when we engage in violence against others. And so God came along, and rather than try to defend himself, God told Cain what the consequences of his actions would be. Uh, He even tried to protect Cain in there as well. And then Cain blamed all this on God as well. So uh, God, obviously, is the ultimate scapegoat in here. We've talked about all this in previous episodes And uh, even though God is the one who warned Cain against his actions and even worked to protect Cain, (laughs) Cain is the one who then turns around and blames God. right, so now here, then, we sort of see what comes of Cain's uh, actions here. Cain wanders in verses 16 and 17. He wanders eastward to the land of Nod, where the text says he founds a city. And, and, and then it says he gets married and uh, has children. And lots of people get whole, always caught up in this whole thing about where Cain got his wife. I can't tell you how often I get asked this question from people. Uh, where'd Cain get his wife? Look, there's only two options. Either he married his sister, uh, who hasn't yet been mentioned, you know, a sister of his, who hasn't yet been mentioned in the text. Or, 
there were other human beings on earth that God also created, which are not mentioned in the text. All right? And frankly, there's practical and theological problems with both views. And which one do I hold? <laughs> I don't really care. I don't have an opinion. I, I, frankly, this entire argument about where Cain got his wife, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't think it's the point of the text at all. So I don't care which view you hold, or maybe some view I've never heard of. Um, I, for me, I'm just going to ignore the issue and move on. I don't know where Cain got his wife. It's either his sister or some other human beings, and I don't care which the answer is. Um, it, it just it, It's not the point of the text. So uh, for me, again, the point of the text is that the first murderer in the Bible founded the first city in the Bible. That's the point here. And it's to teach us something about our own civilizations and cities and cultures. Genesis 4.17 says that Cain built a city and then he named it after his son, Enoch. Uh, It's interesting. God, I found it interesting anyway. God told Cain he's going to be a wanderer and a vagabond on the earth. But Cain, he doesn't do much wandering or he's not much of a vagabond because he actually becomes a city dweller the founder of culture and civilization. So uh, it's interesting, by the way, as well, that uh, this sort of event is found in the stories of most major cities and civilizations. Take Rome, city of Rome, for example, even the Roman Empire. According to legend, ancient legend, Rome was founded by a man named Romulus. And Romulus had a twin brother named Remus. Romulus and Remus. And guess what? They ended up in sibling rivalry with each other. And as a result of this rivalry, Romulus murdered Remus. And then, to protect himself from retaliation, he built a city and named it after himself. That's where we get Rome. And this sort of story you find in in the ancient stories, foundational stories of almost every culture and civilization. Uh, There's a book called A Genealogy of Social Violence. It's by Clint Jones. And it shows that basically all societies and civilization have this sort of founding murder at its beginning. Uh, Sometimes the murder is a result of rivalry between uh, brothers, the way it was with Rome, and the way it is here in Genesis 4. Sometimes it's just a, a rivalry founding murder that occurs between family members or close friends. All right. The point, though, is not just to show that this is how civilization began. More importantly, and here's the point for us today, this is also how civilization, how society, human society, human culture continues. All right? The chief cornerstone upon which society and civilization is built is the foundation of rivalry, scapegoating, and violence. Uh, And and since these are the foundation, the the chief cornerstones of civilization and culture, then this is also how civilization continues to function, right? Which makes it very interesting when in the New Testament we read that our chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. If you go back and listen to the last, the previous podcast episode, where we talk about three ways out of violence, we see You know, there's just this escalation into violence where everybody is basically killed. There's the scapegoating way. That's the way civilization and culture functions. And then there is the Jesus Christ way. So we have a very different way of operating as followers of Jesus than the rest of society and culture and civilization. They, society, culture, civilization, 
are founded upon, centered around, this rivalry which leads to scapegoating violence. And again, all you have to do is listen to the news, read the newspaper, watch yourself as you go about your day to see how this works. We, we see others have something, and we imitate it. We want it. We desire it. And this leads to rivalry. He has that, so I want it. Then this rivalry leads to blame, accusation, scapegoating, uh, and then ultimately to violence and murder even. And we see this over and over and over. So this is how it works for us in our day, in our time, in our culture. Uh, it's how it began with Cain. And this is what this pattern is what is being revealed to us here in Genesis 4. In fact, everywhere in Scripture. And we see this, one reason we know this is because the author of Genesis turns in Genesis 4.18 from talking about Cain, now that this pattern of his, the foundation of civilization has been completed, and basically goes through it again, although much more quickly, uh, in verses 18 and following, with, with some of Cain's descendants. It began with Cain, and it, it continues with Cain's descendants, and it continues even with us today. So at the end of verse 18, then, we're introduced to one of Cain's descendants named Lamech. And the author of Genesis shows us a couple of quick events from the life of Lamech, where, where once again we have this entire sequence of, of rivalry and, and scapegoating, violence. And basically, the, the author of Genesis wants to, to, to show us, show the readers, that this is the primary human problem, that it is pervasive, that it is everywhere. By showing it with Cain and then with Lamech, he wants us to see, oh, and this also is our own life, <laughs> to look around and see these events in ourselves. All right, so, so the, the, the sequence of events for Cain, just as a reminder, were rivalry with Abel, blame, he's trying to take over my position, violence, okay, goes out and murdered his brother, and then scapegoating, scapegoating God, scapegoating his brother even. Uh, and that is exactly what we see in Genesis 4, 19 through 24, with Lamech. What happens here is, in verse 19, Lamech takes two wives for himself, Adah and Zillah. And then, in verses 20 through 24, we see how their children become advanced uh, in culture, human culture things, like tent making, shepherding, music, metalworking. All right, all of these are further elements of civilization, uh, just showing the, the, that culture in human civilization is advancing. But then notice verses 23 and 24. Here's what they say. Then Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, even a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. So do you see what Lamech is saying there? Lamech is saying, a man hurt me, a young man, so I killed him. But I am justified in killing him, you know, and so no harm should come to me. No one should seek revenge upon me. He says, you know, Cain had no real reason to murder Abel, and yet God protected Cain. God put sevenfold protection around Cain. I, this is what Lamech says, I had reason, justification for killing this young man, this, uh, because he wounded me, and so I should have 77-fold protection around me. 
Now, we're not told why this man came and wounded Lamech. Uh, We don't really have to wonder. (laughs) Why does any man hit, hurt, or wound someone else? It's because they're in rivalry, all right? And we don't know the details of their rivalry, but that's the only reason. They're fighting each other. Maybe they're arguing. One feels slighted or insulted. So he lashes out. We don't know which one lashed out first, right? Nobody thinks they lash out first, though. Everybody thinks they are responding, even if it's they're just responding to an insult or a slight or something. Uh, maybe they're fighting over land or possessions, or who knows, maybe even one of Lamech's wives or one of the other guy's wives. It doesn't really matter, right? The, 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 the point is, the man wounds Lamech. They're in this rivalry, and the, somewhere along the way, the man wounds Lamech. It's clear evidence that they're that a rivalry existed between them, right? Just as there was rivalry between Cain and Abel. And then, after the rivalry, came the murder, just like with Cain and Abel. Lamech was wounded, and so he escalated the violence. That's always what happens with violence. Violence always breeds more violence, and usually to a higher degree, higher seriousness, an escalation of violence. So Lamech is wounded, and so he murders this other man. Uh, and again, that's the way it happens in our society, in our culture, in our time. I insult you, so you slap me. So I stab you. So you shoot me. So my family shoots you and your family. Then your friends and relatives come and kill all of my family, along with my friends and neighbors, and, you know, so on. And, and that's how it goes. That's how wars start. This, this is the history of human society and civilization. Violence always leads to more and greater violence. Violence tends to escalate until it is out of control, until it becomes this raging inferno, this fire that threatens to destroy everything and everybody. Anyway, Lamech knows that that's what happens. He's seen it himself, and he sees it happening in his own life. And so he says, if Cain is going to be avenged sevenfold, then I should be avenged seventy-sevenfold. Again, though, what's he talking about there? He's talking about the escalation of violence, isn't he? Lamech is telling his wives, hey, God said, right? Everybody's got a verse to to justify their actions. God said if anybody seeks to kill Cain, that they should be, you know, vengeance should call upon them sevenfold. So he's telling his wives, if anybody comes and kills me because I killed that boy, then you go round up the boys and you go exact 77 vengeance on others. Is that going to work? No, we know what will happen. Then all of those people will seek revenge and retaliation of their own. This is the way the human mind works. This is the way human society and civilization functions. We always think that our violence is justified, that our retaliation was righteous, that we were the ones who were wronged and we are just standing up for our rights to defend and protect our way of life, our dignity as human beings, right? Everyone claims that if anybody retaliates against me for what I've done, then then there should be sevenfold, seventy-sevenfold bombs and flames falling from the sky upon them and their family and their land and their friends and, you know, That's the way it works. And that's exactly what Lamech is saying and telling to his wives. I killed this man because he harmed me, so if anybody comes and kills me, you make sure they and their friends and their family and everybody who knows them dies. (laughs) It's only right. It's only fair. (laughs) Uh, By the way, and just in case you missed it, 
Lamech brings God into it by quoting this idea that, you know, uh, if, if, if Cain is going to be avenged sevenfold, he's, he's basically using God's words to justify his own sense of justice and vengeance, his, his own desire for retaliation. So he's bringing God into it, and he's saying, this is only God's will. This is what God wants. Lamech believes that he murdered that other man out of necessity. And so if someone comes and kills Lamech, then uh, God will approve the 77-fold retaliation upon those others. And so even here, just as we saw with Abel, just as we saw with Adam and Eve, all right, the finger gets pointed at God. This too is one of the foundational super important truths about society and culture and civilization. Who is the ultimate scapegoat? The ultimate scapegoat in history, in society, civilization, even all over the place in the Bible, is God. All right, We see this all the time. People perform some sort of act of retaliation, you know, revolt, revenge, whatever, and they say, we're only carrying out the will of God. This is justice is being served. This is what is right and fair. And if anyone seeks to retaliate against us, God will escalate the cycle of retaliation even further. Right? It's a terrible, terrible cycle. But it is the cycle which has ruled and dominated human culture and civilization from the dawn of time. This is the main sin talked about in the Bible, revealed, exposed in the Bible. And, therefore, as a result, this is the primary sin from which Jesus came to rescue and deliver us. Um, We're going to be talking a lot more about that in future podcast episodes. In fact, just to give you a little heads up, uh, next week I'm going to be doing a quick summary of Genesis chapter 4, just as I did with Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and then we're not going into Genesis chapter 5. We're basically done with Genesis for a while. I'm going to go over to the Gospels for one episode, and then Christmas, well, let's see, New Year's week, we will be doing one podcast episode from the book of Revelation, and then in the new year, I think we're going to go over to the book of Jonah. That's what it's looking like right now, because that book also reveals some of these foundational and important truths that we're talking about. We're going to see from the book of Jonah how all these truths are revealed again, uh, but in a much different and more surprising and shocking way. So, um, but the chapter four is not done. The verses close out with verses. Uh, the chapter closes out with verses twenty-five and twenty-six. Basically, Adam and Eve, they have a, a third son, this one named Seth. He is sort of a replacement for Abel. And Seth, of course, uh, is one, the one through whom Jesus comes, ultimately. And then the chapter closes out with the words, Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Uh, there's two different ways you can understand that statement. Some people take it as a reference to prayer, calling on the name of the Lord, you know, praying in the name of the Lord, um, asking, petitioning, in asking God to intercede on your behalf, that sort of thing. God, help me, you know, call in the name of the Lord that way. The other way that this phrase is often understood is, is as a reference to preaching, calling on the name of the Lord. That is to proclaim the name of the Lord. You could translate the Hebrew that way. Proclaiming the name of the Lord. Uh, proclaiming the teachings and ideas about God to other people. 
All right, so we have these two possible ways of understanding, or maybe both are the same way, prayer and proclamation, prayer and preaching, uh, both declaring the name of the Lord, that's sort of a, sort of a thing. Either way, though, I think what we have here is a statement about the origin of religion. All right, this is the first time where people began to call upon God in prayer and, and, or, or proclaim about God to others through preaching. And I really think it's insightful here what the author's doing here, what Moses, in my opinion, is doing here, uh, mentioning this sort of element of religion entering the scene right here in the context of the foundation of civilization. Why is that insightful? Well, because this whole rivalry leading to violence and murder and scapegoating and blaming God, right? All of that, which is the foundation of civilization, all of that is accomplished through religion. In fact, usually the scapegoat is a religious scapegoat. Uh, 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 the, The sacrificial, the scapegoat sacrificial ritual is a religious ritual. It's usually a sacrificial ritual with an altar and a priesthood and maybe a temple and prayers and all sorts of things. People saying, God revealed to us the problem. This person is is responsible for all the sins and bad things that have entered into society and our country and our town, and so we are going to kill them in the name of God to restore justice and fairness and righteousness in our land. Okay, that's how it works. So there's this sort of partnership between the scapegoating ritual, violence, and religion, and these two partners, scapegoating ritual violence and religion, they are the foundation of civilization. So, so, so religion, and especially the scapegoating violence of religion, forms the foundation of society and civilization. So what happens if people stop becoming religious? Well, frankly, it's a scary time, a scary thing when people be stop becoming religious. And you might say, yeah, it's because they give up all rules and they don't have any authority. No, let me, let me tell you, I myself am attempting, seeking to abandon religion. Uh, I don't think Jesus came to start another religion. He came to free us from religion, liberate us from religion. Okay, so, so it's dangerous though, because if we abandon religion, but we fail to follow the way of Jesus, then the only way out of the escalation of violence is annihilation. <laughs> more and more violence. That contagion of violence. That th- Remember, the three ways out. When there's rivalry in violence, there's only three ways out. It escalates. We find a scapegoat through religion. Or we follow the way of Jesus into forgiveness. Again, I talked about that in previous episode, and I'll talk about it in future episodes. Also, it's going to be a theme in one of my upcoming theology courses, online theology courses. Uh, so I'm going to leave that concept alone for now. It's a giant concept, and I'm going, to, I'm going to write and teach a lot about it in the future. But that brings us to the end of Genesis chapter 4. And where do we go from here? Again, I'm not going into Genesis chapter 5. We're going to do a quick summary of Genesis chapter 4 next time, and then the episode after that, do one episode in the Gospels, and then one episode from the book of Revelation, and that will bring us into 2017, into the new year. Um, so that's sort of where we're going. Uh, but if you, if, also, if you, if you want to um, 
sort of between now and then, get access to some of these online theology courses. And also, if you want a chance to win one of those free one-year gift memberships to my website, then uh, what, what I want you to do is go over to redeeminggod.com slash register, sign up for either the hope or love membership levels, okay? The, the faith one is free, and you can do that. You'll get free ebooks and a free online theology course based on my book, Skeleton Church. That's six lessons long. Uh, but if you sign up for the hope or love membership levels, that enters you to for a chance to win one of my uh, free one-year memberships. All right, so you sign up for a member, you'll be entered to drawing to win that gift membership. And basically what will happen if you win, I will contact you and will refund your membership fee for the year. All right, so again, you got a 10% chance of winning. The more people that sign up, the more gift memberships I'm going to give away. And again, if you're already a paying paying member, first of all, thank you. (laughs) But I'm not leaving you out either. You're already eligible. So don't worry about that if you're already a member. Uh, And look, even if you don't win that uh, annual gift membership, you still get gifts. The ebook, free online courses, free lessons, and a bunch of other membership benefits as well. Anyway, I can't wait to see you on the inside. Just go to redeeminggod.com slash register to get started. And I'll see you there. And I'll see you next week when we conclude our study of Genesis chapter 4 and summarizing the chapter. See you then. (laughs) 